0: So we've all been watching and listening and trying to wrap our heads around what's going on in Europe, and uh, it's a horrific situation. There's no question about it. Um, it will have an impact here financially for a lot of people, and uh, that's going to be something that you know we're going to have to reckon with too. So let's get some insight as to exactly what happens in a situation like this economically. A, a lot of things happen, but to get some details, um, we're going to have a discussion with Robert Kavchik now. Um, Robert is a senior economist with the BMO Financial Group. And Robert, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on.
0: So with a major geopolitical situation like this, are there certain predictable things, or are there things that happen in an instance like this that we can sort of, okay, this is the initial reaction?
1: Well, the initial reaction you typically always see is what we saw this week, which is just a lot of volatility in in financial markets. Um, and in this particular case, obviously every geopolitical event is, is different. But in this particular case, uh, one of the biggest disruption was 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 in the energy side, and yeah. what we saw was a very imme- an immediate spike in oil prices, right? Because Russia is a big producer, and there's, you know, concerned about supply getting choked off and, and things like that. So. A lot of volatility in, in, in equities, um, in the interest rate market, and in this particular case with oil prices.
0: When we talk about oil prices, like you say, there's the initial reaction, the spike immediately because there's the concerns. Um, typically, and we, I guess we just have to watch and wait, but what are you anticipating with the situation we have now? What, what happens to oil prices tomorrow, in a week, in a month, in a year?
1: It's very hard to say. It we're is, looking yeah. At a hundred dollar, hundred dollar oil about um, about forty eight hours ago, and now we're back. Uh, we're back down to around the ninety dollar level on WTI. So it's very hard to say. Um, in, in one in one sense, the market was was already anticipating this because this didn't just come out of the blue, right? Like we, we we've we've been seeing this kind of slowly coming at us for a while. So that was probably already partly built into the oil price anyway. Um, from here, like our, our our forecast for WTI is about eighty five dollars on average through the course of this year. So, we're we're kind of relieved in a sense to see that that that, that prices have backed off that one hundred dollar level, and maybe it's maybe it's a sign that, um, you know, as, as the market kind of settles down and thinks yeah. through this a little bit, that fundamentally we maybe we don't have such a massive massive. Uh, price shock coming at us.
0: Um, what about the way that uh, the rest of the world responds? I mean, countries obviously. When you're talking about um, oil and, and the rest, it's it's very manipulated as it is. When you have a factor like this added into the mix, are there things that other countries can do to try and stabilize?
1: Well, yeah, oil is 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 a very, uh, as you say, a manipulated market, and that supply is very tightly controlled, right? With an eye yeah. on price. So when you have an environment like this where one region of the world sees supply get choked off and oil prices rise as a result, there are other areas of the world that could potentially benefit. Obviously, OPEC is going to do what OPEC does when they set their output targets uh, with an eye on maximizing their own profit. But one of the industries that we, that we tend to look at for a, for a supply response is, is U.S. shale. And U.S. shale has been very slow to respond this time around because of various factors financial factors and ESG factors, but you got to think that if we do shift from a world of 70 or $80 oil to $100 oil, maybe some of those factors become less compelling and the profit is there to actually start producing more domestically in, in, in the U.S. And that, at the end of the day, in, in some of the past cycles we saw was what ultimately did put a cap on oil prices. Um, aside
0: from oil prices, we take a look. I mean, some of the things that are happening right now, inflation, um, already a really, really big deal. Can that be affected? I mean, I guess with oil prices, it can. But uh, what do you expect in terms of inflation and how that's affecting things? And now we've got this thrown on top of it.
1: Well, that that is the biggest concern because from an economic growth perspective, the, the implications are probably relatively small for us here in Canada right away. Uh, but the inflation implications are, are significant and, and they're made worse by the fact that we are already in an inflationary environment that is um, obviously front and center for central banks to control right yeah. now. So what we actually get here is, is a, a, a negative supply shock in the oil market that's piled on top of what is already an inflationary picture. And in Canada, like as, as we all know, gas prices are up 30 or 40 percent from a year ago already. And in the near term, this is just going to make that worse. Um, and so, you know, there was there was talk this week, well, are, are central banks going to kind of stand down from yeah. interest rate hikes now because of this uncertainty? I, I don't think they will because it's just exaggerating the inflation pressure that they're already facing.
0: But you're right. I mean, everybody's talking because we've already fully anticipated we're going to see the rate hikes next month. You figure uh, they're not going to change their course of action because of this.
1: No, it doesn't look like they will. And, and rates are just far too low. And they've been this way for far too long. And, and and I think the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve know that the policy stance has allowed this inflation pressure to keep kind of building below the surface of the economy, that um, r- r- regardless of what's happening geopolitically, they're going to need to raise rates a couple of times and, and get off of zero. And by a couple of times, I'm saying probably at least 100 basis points of rate hikes. Um, where it might change a little bit is 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 if this continues to persist through the course of this year, maybe the ultimate endpoint for rates this year is a little bit lower than it otherwise would have been. Right. But the reality is they need to get off of zero rates and they're going to start doing that uh,
0: next week in Canada, actually. Is there an area of vulnerability for Canada when you take a look at a situation like this and say, okay, this could really call it, cause us problems in this area or that area?
1: Well, I think, I think we touched on it. It's, it's a, it's a, a, a negative supply shock that makes the inflation situation worse. So it's inflation, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if it, if it ultimately does give us a slightly slower global growth backdrop, which is, you know, all else equal is a negative, but it makes the inflation backdrop, which is already challenging, that much worse, and it does actually force in um, maybe a little bit more aggressive rate hikes from the Bank of Canada, then you got to think that some of the interest-sensitive sectors of the economy here might be the ones that are, that are at risk.
0: Uh, okay, Robert, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Okay, yeah, anytime. You bet.